This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Yesterday was an amazing day. And for you men that didn't get to be here, that didn't serve or whatever, uh, because, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm the husband of the, how can I say this, of the, of the pastor's wife. <laughs> and, and so I get to come to these things, and it, it was a blessing. Uh, Becky did an amazing job just connecting with the ladies. Today, it, it is a privilege to be able to have uh, Becky's husband, Tim. Uh, Tim's a former pastor, missionary, and he'll tell a little bit about that. Currently, he is the director of world missions for the Bible Methodist Church. Uh, we could go on and, and tell how he's qualified in, in so many areas, but we want to get to what God has laid on his heart. Would you please make welcome Pastor Tim Keep? Aren't you thankful for uh, Pastor uh, Joe's snorkeling ministry for, for Jesus? <laughs> what a sacrifice. But, uh, yeah, I, Becky and I have talked at times. Maybe, um, maybe we'll start a, a mission work in Hawaii or something. But, uh, and I'm sure there are mission works there, but uh, I don't think the Lord will call us there. We might get uh, too distracted there, but... Uh, well, so good to be uh, with you, and yeah, I am uh, Becky's husband, Tim, and for you ladies who were here yesterday for the um, uh, ladies' retreat, um, uh, you heard Becky speak, and she shared uh, some of our stories, and uh, so I'll share a little bit of my perspective this morning, but it's been a real privilege to get to uh, be here, and just, um, it's been a, for Becky and me both, it's been um, a refreshing time. Uh, spiritually, we've just felt refreshed by the atmosphere, which I know is the presence of the Holy Spirit here in your church. It's been really refreshing to us. I told Pastor Joe that um, we felt so relaxed that last night we went to our ho- hotel after uh, the conference. We went to bed at seven o'clock and we slept all night long till like six or seven this morning. Well, Becky slept till six, and um, I couldn't. I still have jet lag. I just got back from the Philippines, so I'm I'm up really early, four-ish. But uh, anyway, oh, we were, we've been kind of tired and really um, burning the candle to both ends, but we've, uh, we've just been refreshed in this atmosphere. And especially, I will tell you that um, your pastor, Joe and Faith, they're, they're the real deal. And uh, we're so, you guys are blessed. And uh, I, I've only known them for less than 48 hours probably, but just... Um, the presence of the Lord in their lives, through their lives, is such a blessing to us. So you guys are blessed. Give, your, give yourselves a hand for being blessed. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for allowing us to come. And I know you would love to hear from Pastor Joe uh, this morning, but uh, he ran from the call uh, this morning. And so he's going to preach on his experience next week on The Runner. Uh, so... I want to share um, some, uh, ex- some of our experience today, but I also want to share, uh, of course, from the Word of God. I want to talk to you about developing a healthier view of God. Developing a healthier view of God. I think this is one of the great uh, challenges that we have. And sometimes the church has not represented God as well as it ought to. And sometimes, in fact, the church has been abusive. Not this church. But there are, and some of you have come from places that, where you have faced spiritual abuse. 
And um, Becky and I work with some young couples in, in small group there in Cincinnati. And some of them have come from very spiritually abusive situations. It's not just in America, but even on the foreign fields that I represent, I, I, find, some, I find some misrepresentations of God. I'm just thinking about this youth group in Mexico. Um, I was in Mexico um, not too long ago, and I was um, told the story. Uh, we were in a youth convention, and I was told a story about a group of our young people that uh, in one of our largest churches down there in Mexico, they set up a volleyball net in front of their, in front of the church, and um, they were really enjoying their volleyball game and um, and just uh, there's a huge youth. Group. I think they have 50 kids in their youth group, so it's a really big youth group down there, and they were just really enjoying this. And but uh, someone I don't know who it was exactly, but someone there in the church came to them and said, "Young people, um, you're going to have to." Find a place outside the church property to play volleyball because don't you know that this is, this is God's place? This is sacred ground, you know, as if, I guess God doesn't love volleyball. You know, God doesn't like volleyball. He probably doesn't like young people very much either. And, um, you know, but that's the message. That's the message, you know, that these young people received that day was that, you know, God doesn't, you know, volleyball isn't a sacred thing to God. He's... He's, he's into just prayer, you know, and, and uh, reading the Bible. But, but young people playing volleyball, no, that's, that's kind of out. So just ways in which uh, we, we sometimes misrepresent God uh, in the church. And um, I, I heard about a, an elderly lady who um, fell and broke her arm. And she was convinced, and this is kind of a far out thing perhaps, but, but you'll get the point. She was convinced that... The reason she fell and broke her arm was because she had um, disobeyed a prompting of the Holy Spirit to go to a certain revival service. And because they're elderly and because she and her husband were too sick to go, they decided not to go. And she fell, broke her arm and was convinced this was God's punishment because she had grieved the Holy Spirit. That's a kind of a, you say, that's a really a far out thing. That's. But there are, you know, Satan wants nothing more than to create gaps between us and God. You know, happened in the Garden of Eden. Oh, God's holding out on you. God knows this fruit is really good. It's going to really enlighten your eyes and all of that. And it's really good. And so that's, so, so God's going to withhold something good from you, you know. And, and still to this day, Satan is doing that kind of, of thing. And so where do we go? Where do we go to find and to gain a healthy view of God? Where do we go to understand who God really is? Well, we do, thank God, we do and we can experience God. We do have experiences, thankfully. As Christians, we ought to be experiencing. God wants to be experienced. He wants to be known. Not just known in our minds, but He wants us to experience, to encounter Him, you know. And I thank God that in our own family, He has allowed us to meet Him in the midst of the tests and the trials of life. And in, in your life, I wish I had time to hear all your testimony. I love, test, I love stories. I love testimonies where God comes through and where the, the unmistakable hand of God is at work in our lives. Isn't that wonderful when we experience that?
Now we have to always measure our experiences against God's revelation, right? We can't just run on our experiences, but we, we have to always measure them against the Word of God. And yet, still, God wants us to experience Him. And we, we came here this weekend because um, of the ways, some ways in which God has graciously revealed Himself to our family. And we are so thankful. I shared a couple of these stories yesterday, but I, I just, I know a lot of you weren't here. Let me just share a couple stories just by way of introduction. One day um, in the Philippines, we were, we were seeing some real growth. We were, we were experiencing the blessing of God. Churches are being planted. Souls are being transformed. Lives are being changed. And in the midst of this, um, the battle, the, the enemy, you know, who will, you know, who, who, who doesn't rest, you know, when God is working, the enemy always sort of rises up, right? And the enemy was working too. And one night, um, while Becky and I were sleeping, um, in the middle of the night, we both woke up at the very same moment to this indescribable terror and fear. We had never encountered this before. We were young missionaries. We had never encountered this before. There was no reason for it, no explanation for it. But at the same time, Becky said to me, do you feel that? I said, yeah, do you feel that? What is this? You know, we were, we were actually terrified there for, for some time. And just a few seconds uh, after we woke up, our son Timothy came in the room. He had his hands up to his throat. He said, Mom, he's eight years old. He said, Mom and Dad, I feel like someone is choking me. Something's choking me. I can hardly breathe. And when our son came in the room, again, we just felt this wave of evil and darkness. And it was terrifying. You know, thank God that he who is in us is greater than he is in the world. And yet there are times in our lives where we, you know, we encounter something. Maybe, maybe in the United States we sometimes don't encounter those overt, you know, uh, manifestations of, of demonic activity or whatever it, we could call that. But, but still the devil is, I don't want to glorify the devil this morning, but, but the devil is real, right? And he's really active in our world uh, today. And so I didn't know what else to do. I, uh, you know, I didn't, in seminary, they didn't teach me, you know, how to do that, what, what, what to do when that happens. And so I, I reached over on my nightstand and picked up my Bible. I wasn't looking for any particular verse. I just thought, man, I know the Word of God is powerful. And I need, I need a Word from God. So I just opened it, and it fell open to Psalm, to Psalm 91. He who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. He shall deliver you from the snare of the bird catcher, from the perilous pestilence. Under His feathers you'll take refuge. His strength will be your shield and buckler. You will not be afraid. This is what caught me, caught us. You will not be afraid of the terror by night nor the error that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eye will you behold the reward of the wicked. And as we read that, it was like we were, we were, we were drowning like you, you just read. You're walking through the waters and the waters are rising. We felt like we were drowning. We reached out to the lifeline of the Word of God and said, God... We're no match for this presence. We're no match for this power. 
By the way, none of us are a match for the devil and evil and sin this morning. It's only in Christ. It's only in our union with Christ. Only in His righteousness that we are victorious. It's only through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And we took hold of the Word of God. And as, as we took hold of the Word of God, the, the, the peace of God dispelled. This, the cloud of evil and darkness lifted in our room and the peace of, of God came flooding into our room. And I looked down and my son Timothy was sound asleep on the floor. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. Praise God for, the, for the, these, these times. And then Becky shared yesterday that... Um, in one of the darkest times of our lives as, as parents and our son Jesse. Our son Jesse was born with retinoblastoma, cancer tumors of the eyes, and we went through four years of treatments. He had over 70 surgeries and chemo and radiation and all of that. And, and um, so we, I think we traveled over 30,000 miles back and forth to the hospital because we were 200 miles away from Detroit Children's Hospital at the time. And just traveling back and forth and, of course, very disruptive to life. But God gave us so much grace. I mean, He just poured out His grace and His love upon our family and the body of Christ rallied around us and we had, we had no complaints. But, you know, we prayed for healing. Thousands of people prayed for healing and God chose not to heal Jesse. And when right before his fourth birthday, um, his, his remaining eye was taken and now he is blind and it happened suddenly. It happened within just like three days. The doctor said, we've got to take out his eye. And so here's this four-year-old boy now. He's entering into the world of blind. Our hearts are breaking, you know, as you can imagine. And those of you who have had sick children, you know what this is like. And, and you just, you want to take their place. You, you wish you could do, you just wish you could take their place, you know. And our hearts were breaking. But what really broke our hearts was, was about two weeks um, after he became blind, he became this once very energetic, funny, active little boy. I mean, the life of the party, lots of energy. Suddenly he became very depressed and even angry and very bitter. And we saw it happening, but we, we just there was nothing we could do. And uh, he'd stop playing. He would sit on the couch and listen to, to some stories on Uncle Dan and Aunt Sue. And there was one particular story about this this tragic story of somebody dying. He would listen to it over and over and over again. And uh, he would ask questions. Am I going to be able to see it on my birthday? Am I going to be able to see it at Christmas time? And then we just have to answer him. No, you know, when you get to heaven, you're going to see Jesse. But, you know, but right now, you're, this, is, this is God's plan. We don't understand it, but you're not going to be able to see. And, um, and then he would just throw himself on the floor and throw tantrums. And he was just really depressed. And this happened over and over again. And then finally, after some time, we had to go back in the hospital. And, and uh, he, was in, he was there um, because he had this, this infection. And, and we were there for several days. And one day, we were in the middle of the hospital hallway. And um, once again, he starts asking the questions. Am I, am I going to be able to see it on my birthday? Am I going to be able to say it at Christmas? He said, how come Timothy can see, his, his older brother Timothy, how come he can see and I can't see? It's not fair. I want to see. I want to see. And he threw himself on the, well, he didn't throw himself. He was in a little red wagon. And he just sort of hunkered down. And he started crying and, and throwing a tantrum. And Becky and me, we were at the end of our, we were at the end of our rope. Our hearts were breaking. We didn't know what to do. We felt hopeless. So what came to our mind? 
what came to our mind in that moment was that bitterness and anger is never God's will for His children. Sometimes, Bible even says, sometimes we suffer according to the will of God. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. There are times when suffering is the will of God for His children. We should, we should accept that truth and embrace that. Suffering conforms us to the image of Christ. But bitterness and anger is never God's will for His children. He, nev- he, doesn't, he will not accept that for His children. Amen? Thank God. And that came to our mind. And I put my hands on Jesse's head and Becky began to pray out loud. We didn't care who was you know, watching. We began to pray. We began to plead with God and say, God, we accept blindness. We accept this, but we don't. We, we accept your will, but we don't accept this. We don't accept bitterness. We don't accept anger. We don't accept this, Lord. Please have mercy and please bring healing to our son. Please heal his heart. Our prayer was, Lord, heal his heart. The very next day, Jesse was in a uh, playroom. Becky had taken him to a playroom there, and there was a little um, African-American boy came in, and Jesse's head was all bandaged up, and the uh, little boy said, Hey, uh, can he see? And Becky was terrified that Jesse was going to, you know, become this bundle of screaming and crying again. And so, but before she could even respond, Jesse said, Nope, I can't see, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to see. And then he turned his head towards mommy. He said, Mommy, it's okay if I can't see. Within uh, 10 minutes or so, I came in the room. And right away, the first thing, when he heard me come in, he turned his face toward me. And he said, Hey, Dad, it's okay if I can't see. And from this day, from that day until this day, he's 20 years old now, he has never wasted another moment on despair or depression or complaining or grumbling about his blindness. And God has given him a wonderful life and has given him a wonderful life and making him a great blessing. We went back to the Philippines where, and spent the next eight years there where people are suffering. Suffering is a way of life for people. And, and uh, the prosperity gospel thrives in countries like that. But we got to be, Jesse got to be a living testimony of true prosperity. The true prosperity is not just when our circumstances change, but when God changes our hearts. That's the real prosperity, when we thrive from the heart, when we thrive on the inside. So thank God that He gives us these experiences, these encounters of His grace and His power and His love and His compassion and His mercy. And my friends, don't forget to praise Him. Don't forget to praise Him. But our experiences have to be measured against the revelation of God. So I want to take us to a passage. That was already point number one. So we're already on point number two, all right? Point number two, turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 34. And I didn't read this yet, did I? I'm so mixed up because uh, first and second service, I didn't read this yet. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses wants to see the glory of God. And uh, that whole word glory is, is a wonderful word study, but 
Not time for that this morning. But he wants to see. He wants to encounter God. And, and because he is a friend of God, chapter 33, because he knows God face to face and he has spoken to God face to face like a man speaks to his friend, then God grants his request. He says, Lord, he says, Moses, you're going to see a veiled glory. It's going to be veiled. You can't see all of me. You can't see the full manifestation of, of my glory. You couldn't live, but I'm going to veil it. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to cover you there and I'm going to pass by. But what's amazing about the story isn't just what Moses saw. Some bright light, some weightiness. We, we don't know all that he saw there and experienced. But what was amazing was what he heard. And here's what I want us to see in chapter 34 of Exodus. What's so wonderful here is, the, is how Yahweh, how the great I Am, the eternal God, how He describes himself. If you want to know and get a better uh, understanding of who God is, we have to go to the revelation of God. Go to what God says about himself. And this is what happens here in Exodus 34. Um, Just stand with me for a moment as we read this in honor of God's word. And start with verse 4. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He wasn't depressed. He wasn't depressed. He didn't want to... He didn't want to run from this revelation that he had of of God here. It says, then he said, verse 9, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Father, bless the reading of your word. And Lord, speak to us deeply this morning. And Father, I pray that the enemy would be defeated. Any plan to distract us from your word today, in these next few minutes, just use your word, O God, by your Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts and to challenge us and to change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in this this, uh, encounter here, we see first that God says uh, about himself, he says, I am the Lord. The word Lord here means Yahweh, the great I Am, the uncaused, eternal God. Moses learned that God is Lord, the Lord God. When when, when the Lord is written in capitals, it indicates the personal name for the God of Israel, which is Yahweh. The God, Yahweh, is the covenant-keeping God, the God of personal relationship, the God who provides and defends and protects His people. Aren't you glad for that this morning? That's the kind of God Yahweh is. And so God passes by and He, and he speaks and He says, The Lord, 
The Lord God, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God who provides. And of course we see as He works with Israel, He provides manna from heaven and water from the rock and He defeats their enemies. And this is the God that we serve this morning. He's Yahweh. And He says, I'm compassionate. I'm compassionate. Or some translations say merciful. My my translation says merciful. It is a word that means to that 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 God genuinely cares about humans and holds toward them a tender attitude of concern and mercy. That God is not just some, some great, high, and lofty God. He is not distant from us, but He actually has a tender heart toward us. Isn't that an amazing thing? Becky and I were flying in here and we were looking down as we were coming into Kansas City. We were looking down these little teeny, you know, thing, truck. They were actually semi-trucks, you know. And we could have sort of taken them, you know, and picked them up and all of that. We thought, you know, and inside those little trucks, there was these little, you know, you couldn't see them. They were, it's, like, it's like this molecule world, you know. It's like this small little world. Like from God's perspective, like it's... It's like us looking in a, into a microscope. These are microorganisms. That's how tiny it is. And of course, Becky said, "Yeah." And just think how how we think, how much we think of ourselves. You know, we just think we're really all that. You know, and that we're so small, and yet we we are talking about. And yet God cares about us. And He, by the way, He says He knows us by name. He even knows the very hairs on our head and they are numbered and He knows our day. He knows everything. And God has tender thoughts toward you this morning. He said, this is who I am, Moses. You know, sometimes we think about the God of the Old Testament as this fierce God that we're, we want to run from. God says, no, I want you to know who I am. I am. I am compassionate. I have tender thoughts toward my people. And He says, I'm gracious. Gracious. Gracious means that God does things for people they don't deserve. He goes far beyond duty and gives us what we don't deserve. Sometimes we are people who we, we want to deserve the favor of God. We want to earn the favor of God. We, we, uh, we work really hard to deserve all the gifts and benefits. Lord, you know, we say, oh Lord, we really want to, we really want to be worthy of all this. My friends, we're not worthy. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. In fact, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags this morning. Our best attempts to please God fall far short of His perfection. And yet, God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us far more goodness and mercy and love than we deserve this morning. He is a gracious God. He treats us graciously. He has to. Because if He treated us as we deserve, we would all be cast into hell this morning. But we are here because God is a God of grace. Whatever you come with this morning, whatever mistakes and failures you've had even this week, you cannot this morning exhaust the grace of God. You know, we have our human... Remember Peter, he had this human idea about about grace. He said, Lord, how many times should I forgive? Like seven times? You know, Peter was really impressed with his generosity. You know, he was. 
Seven times. I mean, Lord, I'm giving him seven chances. I mean, that just seems so generous. And God said, no, that's human. That's human generosity. That's human grace. No, 70 times seven. And what he really meant was, there's no end of it. There's no end of it. As many times as it takes. God is the God of the second chance and the third chance and the 100th chance this morning. And of course, He wants to change you. He doesn't want us to keep repeating the same things over and over. He has the grace to purify us. and He has the grace to sustain us and strengthen us and make us holy this morning. And yet, we must understand that He is a God of grace. And He is slow to anger. This is what God says about Himself. I'm very slow to get angry. I'm just thinking, you know, um, would I say this to my children? Now listen, children, I want you to understand who Daddy is, okay? I'm really, really slow to get angry. Because I'm, I'm, I'm afraid if I say that to my children, they might really take advantage of that, you know? <laughs> and yet here is, here is God... Speaking to Israel, he knows very well who these people are. He knows who Moses is. He knows the mistakes of these these people. He says, Moses, I want my people to know I am a God slow to anger. I am very slow to cut people off. Very slow to cut them off. And of course we see that as, you know, all these failures and, you know, and the complaining and the murmuring. And yes, God does bring judgment. And yes, people have to pay. And there's all of that. And yet... He keeps working and redeeming His people and takes them into the promised land. Just He says, I'm doing this to, to exalt myself and my name and to glorify myself, to let the, the world see what kind of God I am. And that's the way he work, He's working. Our, you and I are trophies of His grace. We're trophies of His kindness. We're trophies of His love this morning. Praise God. Slow to anger. And He says... Fifthly, abounding in love. The word he uses here, the word that God uses for himself is is the word hesed in Hebrew. It's a very important word. It's used like 175 times in the Old Testament. And it has to do with God's unshakable, undeserved love. Unshakable love. Unshakable. Unshakable love. Say that to yourself this morning. God's love for me is unshakable. Amen. His love for me is unshakable. And God says to Moses, I am abounding in unshakable love. And not just, I have unshakable. I'm abounding. I'm overflowing in it. I have plenty of it. I have, I have plenty of love to spare for you. Overflowing in unshakable love. And he says, I'm a God of truth, Moses. Abounding, not just abounding in unshakable love, I'm also abounding in truth, meaning that whatever I say is true and reliable and can be trusted to the extent of life and death issues and eternal issues and all of that, everything in between. I am a God that can be trusted. My word can be trusted. My promises can be trusted. You can stand on my word. I cannot lie. I cannot deny myself. And that gives us so much hope this morning because we open our Bibles and we read, I will never leave you or forsake you. And some days we don't feel like God is with us. And we feel our emotions going up and down. And yet we we remember that God is a God of truth. He cannot lie. 
And He stands by His children this morning. Hallelujah! For the truthfulness of God. He is the God of truth this morning. This is what it takes. We have to get into the Word of God and look at what, how God describes Himself in order to get a clear and healthy view of who He is. Can't just listen to one another. Can't just listen to the even good preachers like Joe. You can't just listen to, to you know, to, to one another, listen to the news and all that. We, we need to get into the Word. What, how does God describe Himself? What does He say about Himself? And sometimes even the church, as I said, we misrepresent Him, but we look to His Word and we say, oh, praise God, this is who you really are. Of course, He also says, look, I am a God, I, I, I do visit, you know, the sins and and I'm not a God, you know, that can just pass over sin. You know? I am a God that I have to judge sin. That's why we have the cross this morning. Because, you know, this is where the gospel comes in. Because God cannot just pass over sin. Not without, not without a sacrifice. Not without the payment of a price. And Jesus came into our world because we're all guilty. The Bible says, He, he, he said, the mo- I can't just pass over the guilty. I can't just let the guilty go free. I'm a holy God. And so God became flesh and dwelt among us and took our sin upon Himself. And He became guilty on our behalf. And He took our sins to the cross and He cast our sins as far as the east is from the west this morning. That's the Gospel. God didn't just, God didn't just remove and pass over our sins. He put all of our sins upon His Son. And our, His Son took Him to the cross and took the guilt and the shame that you and I deserve this morning. If you don't know Christ, you're missing out on a whole lot of good things this morning. He has enough grace and forgiveness and mercy for you. And He can pardon you this morning. Praise God. I want to just look finally at this, this one last point. We gain a healthy understanding and view of God by looking at Jesus, the full revelation of God to man. In John chapter 1, look at this beautiful passage in John chapter 1. This is what it says. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Timothy Keller, um, the Bible teacher, a podcast I listened to, he said... What this verse means is that the glory that Moses could not see, the, Moses that, the, the glory that Moses was forbidden to see, we have seen in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the glory. He is the full glory of God. If you want to know what God is like this morning, look unto Jesus. Growing up, I had some warped concepts of God. I have wonderful parents, godly parents, but sometimes the people in the broader Christian community around me were not representing God very well. It was a very legalistic kind of, of God, and I struggled with knowing who, who God is. And I remember when it just it dawned on me, the Holy Spirit opened my mind. I began to see that, that Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. He represents God perfectly. And he says, the word became flesh, we beheld his glory. He says, of his fullness we have all received. And grace upon grace, grace upon grace this morning. 
For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Listen, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has revealed Him. Think about that. No one has seen God. But Jesus came to show us what God is like. When I travel, I need an interpreter many times because I'm an American. You know, they say if you can speak three languages, you're trilingual, you speak two, you're bilingual, you speak one, you're an American. <laughs> and, and so I need an interpreter. Now, why do I need an interpreter? Not because the language is not, you know, understandable, but because it's not understandable to me. I can't decipher the sounds. I can't understand it. So I need someone to interpret for me. Well, my friends, we don't know what God is like. We can't grasp that in ourselves. But Jesus has come to be God's interpreter. To make Jesus understandable to us. We see Him in the flesh walking and talking and loving sinners and eating with sinners and saying like we heard this morning, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And we see what God is really like. Of course, we also see Him dying on the cross. We see Him shedding His blood and we see how God thinks about sin and evil and darkness. And we cannot make lightly of sin. We cannot have a trite attitude towards sin this morning because sin is what put Jesus on the cross of Calvary. But if we want to know what God is like, and here, this phrase that John uses, he says that Jesus, the one who was in the bosom of the Father, He has revealed Him. I thought, what does that mean? You know, we don't use bosom, you know, very, very much, you know. Uh, probably your translation doesn't say bosom. I don't know what it says, but, uh, uh, you know, we don't use that. But what, what it means is that Jesus, the one who was in the, this intimate, most intimate relationship with the Father, He has come to declare Him to us. And then I understand that in the Old Testament, the word Father is used of God about 15 times. You know what? In the New Testament, we encounter Father everywhere in relationship as it describes God. 200, over 200, I think it's 247 times in the New Testament, God is referred to as Father. Even here in John 1, he says, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Here's what God wants us to know. Here's what, here's what Jesus came to reveal. That God wants a relationship with you and with me this morning. He wants a relationship. He wants to provide. He wants to protect. He wants to heal the heart. He wants to heal the wounds. He wants to be tender. He wants to show His compassion and His love toward us. It is not, the Bible tells us that God's arm is not short that He cannot save. His ear is not heavy that He cannot hear. He says it's your sins that have separated you from your God. It's sin. You know, sin says, is, is this, puts this gap between us and God. But thank God this morning Jesus has come to show us that God wants a relationship with us. He wants to restore us into the image of God and make God real to us. There was a time in our battle with cancer with Jesse that people were telling us that 
Oh, you know, if you had enough faith, God would heal Jesse. Now, they didn't say that to our face. They said it to friends who said it to our face, you know. Cowards. Whatever. I love them in Jesus' name. But anyway. But you know, they, we heard these things. And we even one lady said that we should take him to a faith healer because we need to... T- we need to take him to somebody who really believes in the power of God, you know. And thousands of people were praying for healing. We were praying for healing. And, but, you know, it got to us. And we really thought, well, man, is there really something like unbelief, some sin in our lives that's keeping God from healing and, and from answering our prayers? We couldn't imagine. We couldn't even fathom like our son would be subject to a life of blindness because of our unbelief and because of our doubt or because we were harboring some sin, you know. And this is part of the abuse I was talking about earlier, you know. People, well-meaning people, but they're representing God, you know, in ways that the Bible doesn't represent God. And it's very hurtful. And I remember, though, we were suffering. We were right in the middle of that. And so I told Becky, I said, we're going to go and fast and pray. And, and we're going to seek the Lord until he gives us an answer. Maybe he'll show some sin in our lives. Maybe he'll kindle faith in us. I don't know. But maybe he'll heal our son. So I, we, we decided on seven days. Like on the sixth day of this fast, I was walking in a little forest. And, and I'd been meditating on John 11 where Lazarus dies, you know, and and uh, Mary and Martha are so disappointed and they wonder why Jesus wasn't there. And it says that Jesus delayed two days in the place where he was and he did it, he said, so that he could glorify himself. Well, the glory that he revealed there was the raising up of Lazarus from the dead. You know, of course, I wanted that, you know. But twice there in the passage it says, this is for my glory, this is for my glory, this is for my glory. And I was meditating on that. I was praying and said, God, search my heart. I, I want you to work. And, and then the Holy Spirit came to me so sweetly. I felt God as my father. He came close to me and he said, son, I really heard him in my heart say, son. He said, son, I don't want you to worry about what my will is for your son, your boy anymore. All I want you to pray about, like I'm lifting that off of you, you know. All I want you to pray for is that I will be glorified through Jesse and through your lives. That's all. Just pray that I'll be glorified. I, I tell you, this load lifted off of me. I felt free as a bird. The circumstances didn't change. Jesse got worse and worse and he lost his sight. But the whole, that whole heaviness left me because God, my Father, came down to where I was. He stooped down And He tenderly took me in His arms and He gave me the assurance that He was working all things together for good in our lives, you know. And that's what He wants to do for you. That's what He wants to do for you this morning. You know, He wants to be your Father. He wants to be your provider and sustainer. Maybe there's some here this morning who don't know Jesus for them. They don't know Jesus personally. He wants to be your father. You come and confess, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I, I know I've failed so many times, but I want to be set free. I want to know you like that. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.